This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Trends segment, I will be talking with Matthew Calder. Matthew is a Senior Product Marketing Manager at Microsoft, focused on connecting developers with information and resources to help them build cloud-native apps using Azure. In his previous role, he spent five years focused on Microsoft's online training initiatives for technical audiences. Before pivoting his career to helping people build technical skills, he worked in the entertainment industry, creating cloud-based solutions for engaging reality TV fans. Welcome to the show, Matt. I'm so happy to have you on this show today. Thanks, thanks for having me. So could you take us uh, through your tech career journey to kind of tell us, you know, how you got started and where you are now. Sure. It's actually, I'll, I'll go um, all the way to the beginning. Sure. Um, back in uh, 1999-2000, I, I dropped out of a PhD program in comparative literature at the University of Washington. Um, I was learning how to be a professional poetry translator. Um, decided I didn't want to be uh, a university professor, and since it was 1999, you couldn't swing a cat without hitting an internet startup. <laughs> I um, jumped over to to technology and the, and the internet. Very quickly, found myself working at Microsoft on the streaming video team, and I was, my job was to do things like write white papers about how, in the future, people will use streaming media to communicate with customers and educate people and do CEO broadcasts. And at the time, I really that was my very first experience working in technology and trying to understand how do we figure out what people will need three, four, five years from now? How do we build what they need? And it was a fascinating experience. And I worked on the technology side of streaming video and streaming audio at Microsoft for several years and then left Microsoft for a while and went over to the entertainment side of things where I had the opportunity to actually produce entertainment. I was working on CBS's Big Brother our audience would pay $15 a month to get live 24-hour video feeds from the set of the house. Uh, it's sort of survivor-like. They get a dozen crazy people in a house for the summer. <laughs> they can't communicate with the outside world, but they're on camera 24 hours a day. And at that time, we were working, it was working for Real Networks. We licensed it from CBS. And it was about 2008 
And we had to make some changes to both keep the experience entertaining and fun, as well as to, to move on to new technology. And at the time, I didn't realize that moving to the cloud was a big deal. We just did it because we didn't have much other choice. Mm -hmm. And so we moved the, the entire infrastructure um, from you know, servers at real networks to an entirely cloud-based solution, um, microservices architecture. And again, all at the same time, we're also producing uh, live video for reality TV fans. And it was a pretty exciting time. We got to do a lot. But after a while, I got tired of the entertainment space and wanted to get back to technology and was very interested in MOOCs, mm -hmm. um, massive open online courses, and things that were going on in that space online. I was really looking for where does community and media come together in real time and wound up back at Microsoft, to my surprise. This was about the same time that Sasha came on board. Mm -hmm. Microsoft Learning was looking to do more online and move what they do uh, from just in-person training, uh, you know, through the traditional mock Microsoft official courseware and figure out different ways to, to reach people more broadly using the internet, get closer to our customers. And it was a fascinating time to be at Microsoft. Uh, I was, instead of working with reality TV stars, I was working with developers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have two of them sitting in front of a camera, sharing their screens, taking questions from the audience. And we'd you know, train you know, a couple thousand people for you know, five to six hour sessions uh, mm -hmm. almost every day of the week. And it was at the time where Microsoft was building out Azure and getting really serious about playing nice with open source and becoming a very different um, different company. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, I remember it was about that time, sometime during that that run, working on on online learning that I saw containers demonstrated for the first time, and they really looked like magic. Mm -hmm. the, the room full of developers I was in was like, oh my, this is going to change everything, and. Um, after after working in in that role for quite a while, five years, Microsoft is a long time. I wound up uh, over in the U.S. subsidiary, no longer at Microsoft Corp, but out in the field, much closer to sales, much closer to customers. And my my current role is I'm, I'm responsible for uh, basically connecting with developers who want to build on Azure, and specifically those who are interested in cloud native apps, microservices architecture, and um, Kubernetes is the is the word of the day for us. Um, That's from, awesome. What what a great career journey, and you got to see things before they even became real. You know, if you were talking about streaming video way before we now we're using it, but at that time it wasn't as prominent or developed as it is now. So that's very cool. And yeah, containers is, um, we're hearing that all the time now in, in the industry. So tell us, what is this Kubernetes? What is Kubernetes well, and why should we care? Okay. Um, <laughs> sh should I explain containers quickly? Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, containers, the metaphor comes from shipping containers. Back in the old days, the, you would pay guys named stevedores to load your boats for you. And they just kind of had to fit everything in, no matter how it was shaped. It could be barrels, it could be uh, you know, horses, it could be boxes, it could be a piano, whatever. They just had to figure out how to fit it all into the hold and keep the ship balanced. And it was uh, very much a custom job every time mm -hmm. and a lot of variables. And then when you got it off the ship, you still had to figure out how to put it on a train or a wagon or whatever and carry it away. 
shipping containers changed things radically. Now, when you go past, you know, the port of Seattle, where I'm at, or any, any other major port, you see these stacks of boxes that are all the same size. And you just put your stuff into a shipping container, easy to fit in. They load up the boats pretty quickly compared to the old days. Mm -hmm. And then they're easy to take off the boat and just it is a self-contained, you know, railroad car or self-contained semi-trailer. And you just keep, you know, take the, the load and keep on going. And so that, that's the, the container metaphor. And when you apply it to application development, particularly for the web, um, you know, you no longer have to worry about, you know, am I developing for what version of Windows server or is it Linux server? How, how what plugins do I need? How do I fit everything together? You, you it solves the, all the dependencies um, mm -hmm. that, that come about. You know, you've got your web front end, your back end work you know, workers, the user database, analytics database, your job queue, then on the other axis, you might have your development VMs, your QA server, single production server, you know, the developer's laptop that the whole thing was built on. Um, it's kind of a compatibility nightmare. And with containers, you just package up the code and the dependencies, and it can be run anywhere and spun up, spun down, turned on, turned off. And it's, you know, suddenly you can, you know, do app development at scale in a, in a more powerful way and not have to worry about actually maintaining every VM, uh, it's, which can be kind of a pain. The, you're still maintaining machines. So just abstract that away, put it all in a container. Now, if your app fits in one container, great, you're done. Um, but as application development gets more and more complicated, um, you have apps that span multiple containers. They're deployed across lots of servers. They have to, you know, you've got distributed systems. Uh, it, you've got to scale up, scale down, just make sure that everything's running all at once. It gets to be very hard to manage. And so that's when you need container orchestration. And that's what Kubernetes does. Um, Kubernetes gives you the ability to, you know, orchestrate a cluster of virtual machines and schedule the containers to run and maintain the desired state on each of them, make sure they've got the resources that they need and they're each running. And you know, then you can do continuous integration deployment and development. And it, it's, uh, it, it becomes pretty, pretty exciting. I think that's, for right, go ahead. That's I'm pretty sorry. fascinating. Um, I also hear that containers um, work really well with the uh, cloud infrastructure because it's so dynamically changing, and so it can keep things current and relevant better than you know we did it in the old days. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's very much a, a cloud native approach uh, to to building things, and the and there are people that like to run their their own implementations of Kubernetes on premise. And those tend to be in the financial services world. Mm -hmm. And that's really doing it the hard way. Um, within mm -hmm. Kubernetes, the, 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 the overall sort of architecture of it, there's uh, the sort of master node that is the API server that is sort of running everything from it. And within that API server, you've got a controller manager, a scheduler, key value store, um, and it's then communicating out with all the different worker nodes, um, which, and that's where the containers are living and doing, doing the work. But 
maintaining that master node um, and making sure that everything is running, there are a lot of knobs to dial and switches to switch. And um, you've got to deal with that upgrades, patches, reliability, um, scaling itself, healing, monitoring. Um, that's where you know Azure actually steps in or AWS or Google Cloud Platform. Um, we, Azure Kubernetes Service offers a managed control plane for all of that so that we take away the day-to-day -day management of that and you know your team can focus on just you know deploying your code to the cloud and and which is plenty of work. Yes. Um, the uh, you know the the one of the stats that uh, I've seen Microsoft quote recently is um, and this kind of gives you a sense of where where this technology plays. The 77% of companies with more than a thousand developers are are using Kubernetes today. Uh, that's from the Heptio State of Kubernetes report. But that's, you know, it's it's for large organizations running complicated microservices, web-based applications. If you've got more than a thousand developers, they can do a lot of damage on <laughs> spinning us spinning stuff up. It's very, mm -hmm. Mm, very interesting. It's just fascinating when you talk about this technology that's out there. Um, so tell me a little bit about if somebody wanted to explore Kubernetes and go down a journey of learning, what would that look like? Um, we've got a, a pretty awesome uh, learning path that we've been uh, pushing out there for Microsoft. It's called 50 Days from Zero to Hero mm. with Kubernetes. And if you search for um, you know, Azure Kubernetes learning path. It will likely be one of the top or the top result. Okay. Um, and it's a, the learning path that takes you through, day one is actually a, a children's book <laughs> that we produced. Uh, Fippy goes to the zoo. Fippy is a, a, a giraffe and they kind of explain the, uh, the different concepts around Kubernetes and, and you know, child children's book form. And it's, mm -hmm. it's actually pretty effective. I've found myself going back to it to check vocabulary myself. Um, that's day one. Uh, days two through five are some short videos with uh, Brendan Burns, who is one of the creators of Kubernetes. Uh, he created it with some other folks while he was at Google. Uh, he, he works with us now. And there, there's about six videos. It takes about 40 minutes to watch all of them. You can get through day two to five, you know, in an hour if, you, if you're ambitious. But walks you through, you know, why you should care about containers, how Kubernetes deployment works, uh, you know, how the scheduler works, setting up build pipelines. Um, and then there's day six through 15 are some articles on Microsoft Docs, talk through things like access and identity, cluster security, network concepts for apps, scaling, then Days 16 through 20, we've got a suggestion, suggested hands-on uh, interactive modules on a, it's a website called Katakoda, K-A-T-A-C-O-D-A. And they're interactive modules where you kind of code in a sandbox in the browser, and it'll walk you through, you know, concepts like YAML definitions. It's yet another markup language is what YAML mm -hmm. stands for. Uh, networking using secrets, and so we've got a few, you know, 10 to 15 minute exercises that we recommend there um, that get you some hands-on coding experience. Um, days 21 to 25, we take you through architecture design. And then day 26 and 27 is where it gets really good. Um, 
we've got a workshop that anyone can access. If you also do a search for Azure Kubernetes workshop, the, you'll find the this this workshop that we've got. It was designed to be uh, sort of a almost a hackathon type challenge based workshop. People would come together and spend a day or two actually just getting hands on with this stuff. And so if you've got some experience um, touching the basics and using it, we we take you to the next level. Um, walk through you know, deploying MongoDB with it. Uh, basically, you're building out a um, an e-commerce site, an order capture site. Then we get we get into DevOps, and DevOps is again pretty important. You want to have a healthy governance and DevOps ecosystem and culture in place in an organization um, to to really so you don't kind of hit a buzzsaw after you get all this stuff up and running. And then we get into some deeper tasks, um, spinning up new clusters, using key values. And by the end of it, you've touched quite a bit of the Azure Kubernetes service. Um, you know, deployed the site, and people who've gone through it have been really happy with the experience and what they learned. Um, and so, it's you know the first you know half of this this learning path is about just getting yourself ready to get hands on with that. And I'll step to the side briefly. Um, my my team we're also putting out um, it'll be a four-part series that is also designed to get you to the same point where you'd be able to do the, the workshop. It's a, it's online training that we'll be launching in October, uh, four modules, each an hour long that come with hands-on labs. You'll go up on GitHub, walk through the exercises. We'll be able to support you with answering questions. Um, so you, you've got experience with the basics of it, using the tools, spinning stuff up. Um, and then you'd also be able to do, to go through this workshop as well. So I, I love this 50 days from zero to hero. Um, is there a prerequisite before you start um, this program? Um, I, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, you want to have basic familiarity with cloud computing. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it helps if you know if you've used containers and containerized an app before. Okay. Um, the, it's you'll you'll if you're going to get in over your head, you'll get in there pretty fast. Um, so, <laughs> you'll know right away. You'll know right away. Now, is um, there a cost for this program? Uh, this program, it, this is a free, uh, the, these are all free resources that I'm talking about. If, if you, I think if you, to do the, the workshop, I think I spent about 25 to $30 on my own Azure subscription. Mm -hmm. um, and that was leaving it, all the resources up running overnight because I forgot to clean up. <laughs> um, so it's pretty yes. reasonable, and you can probably do most of it with an Azure free trial. That's awesome. Wow. What a great program that Microsoft is putting out um, and all the work that you've put into it. It sounds awesome. I actually want to go try it out. <laughs> so it sounds so great. Um, so let's let's kind of dig a little bit deeper yeah. um, into Kubernetes. So how do you package your code and dependencies into containers? Uh, Docker has really become sort of the, the go-to tool for, for anyone using containerizations. And they've got, you know, tons of resources about how to, how to work with, with them and, and tools and the, about that. And there's actually, if you go on Microsoft Learn, uh, which, is, which is a part of Docs where we've got interactive exercises, and if you search for containers or Docker, you'll find some great resources there. That will walk That's through. perfect. 
Perfect. Um, some other just deep, deeper dives is, you know, how do you deploy as a microservices? Um, well, with microservices, it's the, the architecture, you know, where you break up and then, you know, it's your app into a bunch of different pieces. So it's, you don't, you can update any piece of it at any time. Um, within Kubernetes specifically, uh, it, it does a great job of making sure that the new version of the site, for example, is running uh, properly in the container, turning off the, the next container that it's going to replace, um, giving it about a minute to finish up any processes so it doesn't just die, mm -hmm. slotting in the new, the, the new version, and just kind of keeping it on a, doing those updates on a rolling basis so that the users will never experience any downtime. Um, and you'll be able to just deploy out that way. Um, and then again, this, the, that's sort of the, what Kubernetes is doing. And then in terms of how your team should do it, it's, you know, it's really building on the DevOps ideas around continuous integration and continuous delivery, um, setting up those pipelines. Um, you've got your test deployments and then moving over to, um, you know, into production you know, through, through that process as well. Okay. Um, so, we, we talked a little bit about the journey and how somebody learns uh, Kubernetes and really starts to get into it. You talked about the importance of uh, the DevOps uh, process, but how do you manage using the DevOps process and tools? Um, it's, you know, DevOps is kind of a cultural thing as much as the, as merely a technology thing. And mm -hmm. the, I think that, Building out, you know, a team that's comfortable working together and working in that way is can be uncomfortable for teams at first. Um, and when it's an unhappy DevOps environment, it can be a real challenge. But it's worth going through the growing pains to get mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. The but I but I think around all of that, there's also a, a governance wrapper that you know you need to. The idea of DevOps is that you're always shipping, you're always doing things quickly. You're innovating fast, dialing back when it breaks, and taking another approach. Um, you need, you know, when you've got a lot of different teams hitting the same Azure subscription, for example, you want to have guidance around the subscription management. Mm -hmm. What types of resources are they allowed to, to spin up or not? Um, the Azure policy. Uh, is the, the service that we have that is sort of the go-to service for that. And we've got some great um, document documentation around um, our sort of governance framework and recommendations around that. Great. So um, thank you for that. This is great information for our listeners. In closing, Matt, uh, how would you, who would you say is the ideal candidate to start looking into Kubernetes a little bit more? I know containers are becoming a big part of our industry. Um, so what advice would you give of how to get started and who would be the right audience for it? Um, well, I think, you know, go into it with the understanding that it's a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, both for the individual developers and teams that have to learn how to use it, as well as for the organization that's going to be that's going to be doing it. So start when, you know, if you need to solve the problem of developing applications at scale, and making sure that things are always up and running and well coordinated, then it's it'll probably sol start solving your problems. But you know, because it's so powerful and flexible, 
um, it's that makes it hard to use. And and so I would, you know, if you're already moving, you know, moving to the cloud, you're already putting th things in containers. Once you start having more than two or three containers and con containerized apps, re then really start digging into Kubernetes and container orchestration. And um, and I would, you know, get to the point where you can get through that Azure Kubernetes workshop as mm -hmm. a team. And it's probably a couple weeks of, of study and practice and then just going at it and making yourself do it. And then take a step back, assess where you're at, and, and you know, keep checking back in to see if you're focused on actually solving real business problems or if you're just kind of playing with fun toys um, and proceed forward accordingly. If you want to keep playing with the fun toys, by all means, that's what developers do. <laughs> No, that's great. Great, yeah. great, great advice. And we yeah. definitely would love to have you back on our show to get deeper into it and maybe go through that next journey after somebody has, you know, taken that path through your zero, uh, zero to hero program. I love that. So thank you so much, Matt. It was a pleasure having you and we hope to have you on our show again soon. Thanks so much. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our next-gen tech segment, I will be talking with Ricardo Corrales. Ricardo is an incoming ASU freshman and will be majoring in construction management in the fall. He is very knowledgeable in Apple products as well as iOS, macOS, and watchOS. Ricardo also knows a lot about film and TV production and operating cameras. He's bilingual and fluent in Spanish. Welcome to the show, Ricardo. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure, welcome. Let's get started. So can you share with us a little bit about your journey in technology? What have you done? Kind of tell me when you got started and take me through that journey. Well, honestly, like I've always been into technology. Uh, it's going to sound kind of corny, but I started like when I first got my Game Boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was, like, yeah, video games, I played a lot, but like... I actually like got into like the workings of technology barely last year okay. when uh, I realized my phone was like four years old. I had iPhone six, and I, I it was really slow. And then I just learned about like all the processing that goes in behind it, uh, how like technology moves so fast. Like four years, four years ago that phone was really fast, but now. <laughs> It's pretty slow. <laughs> yeah, technology changes so, so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I discovered, like, all the components to it, I guess, yeah. Yeah. 
So is that last year is when you knew you had a love for technology or did it start earlier? I guess last year it kind of, yeah, blew up. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, my love for technology, yeah, basically started when I was really young. Uh, We had like, I forget what the Mac model was. It was like one of the clear ones. When I was like six years old, mm-hmm. uh, I just, yeah, basically I discovered, I can't remember the program. It was like HitPicks, I guess, okay. was on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hidden. And yeah. That's great. So that's that's when you kind of realized you really love technology, huh? Yeah. That's great. So, um Tell me a little bit about what you do with technology today. What do you um, use it for? What do you, you know, what do you love doing on on technology? Well, I love how it makes my life easier. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can do so much with it. <laughs> There's like smart products now, uh, fitness trackers. Uh, if you can connect with like anyone around the world, if you want, it's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. So when you say um, to make your life easier, what are some of the things you use it to make your life easier? Uh, reminders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically just <laughs> wireless things. And it's... Just a lot yeah. of different things. <laughs> yeah, a lot of not... things. yeah, I just I can't pinpoint them right now. No, that's fine. Um, so... Watch OS, you say you know a lot about Watch OS, so tell me a little bit more about that. Well, just like the Apple Watch, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I just know how to like move around it, basically. There's not too much to it. I thought it'd be more like the iPhone, but it's like a light version. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. I finally uh, put my watch in water. Uh, I think oh, last nice. week, and I was so nervous to do it. You know, we went yeah. to the pool. We went to the pool, and I said, "I gotta try this because I know it's waterproof." And then yeah. um, it worked. I mean, it was fine. And then I, you know, that teardrop comes up, and then you drain it, and <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, do you use I your guess. watch in the shower, and do you use it in the pool as well? <laughs> I wouldn't use it in the shower, but in the pool, I've done it. Yeah. Also, I just uh, met a guy yesterday. He said he uses it in the shower every day and in the pool and wow. no problems at all. Yeah. Huh. And he had a friend that actually um, took an iPhone and jumped into the pool with it to see if it would withstand the water, and it was fine. So things wow. have come a long way because I remember my kids, um, you know, every two days they had uh, something happen to their phone where it touched water, either it fell in the toilet or something. <laughs> and uh, we had to put it in like boxes of rice so that it would dry out. But now I guess we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that's a really nice thing to have. Yeah, yeah. So if you were in a leadership position, um, tell me a little bit about what challenges you would want to solve using technology. Like, where would you want to make a difference? Uh, well, definitely privacy. Because mm-hmm. recently that's been a big issue with uh, Facebook and Google, I guess. Mm-hmm. With like, people finally read the terms and conditions and they realized how much they track you. And I don't know, it's like, 
kind of alarming. Yeah, that is kind of scary, you know, to know yeah. that somebody's watching your every move. Exactly. So privacy would be a big area. And security is a big area right now. We're talking uh -huh. to so many people to, um, and privacy and security are becoming, uh, you know, one of the biggest trends uh, for the future because everything is connected um, yeah. anymore. You know, your doorbell, your lamps, your refrigerator, everything you can imagine is connected with technology. Yeah. yeah. So what, what obstacles do you face in technology today? And then how, what do you do to overcome them? This one, when I was reading it, kind of, I wasn't too sure about what to say. Okay. Mm -hmm. like, what do you mean by obstacles? Like, do you have some challenges that, um, that come up when you're trying to use technology? And what are those challenges? And then how do you overcome them? I mean... I don't usually run into problems. Uh, Apple makes great software. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. basically what I use. They make it very easy to understand. Um, I'm running a beta on my phone right now. And it's really stable. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really run into problems with it. Okay, that's great. Do you see oh, yeah. uh, other kids running into technology technology issues? Do you try to help them when yeah. they have like sometimes I can't remember sometimes like little things like a setting change can help them like with their problem mm -hmm. well I guess the biggest one is screen burning but that's really not something you can fix easily mm -hmm. but, yeah. but yeah I guess sorry about my dog no that's okay <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah, the biggest I mean, challenge, obstacle, I would say is screen burning, mm -hmm. especially with the new iPhones. They have this new panel called o OLED, and if you use like high brightness all the time, there's a chance that you can get like image retention. So. So then, would you have to replace your screen or? Yeah. Um. And my Samsung, I think, is developing a new type of pixel that can help overcome that so that's pretty cool yeah. mm -hmm. now um so are you known as the technology guru with your friends and and uh classmates or yeah uh, basically yeah <laughs> technology and, and film guy and film guy tell me a little bit about the film um piece that you're interested in and what are you doing with that uh, so I took a film and TV class, like, since freshman year of high school. So uh, I've I've done a couple short films. I won the uh, short film contest for my school. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And I placed fifth place in, my, in the Arizona Skills USA mm -hmm. competition. So that was fun. That's neat. Um, so... Do you ever find anybody underestimating your technology abilities and maybe they think you don't know as much as you know? And how do you convince them to know that, you know, I, hey, I know a lot? <laughs> yeah, usually my friends just come to me, but uh, I don't want to, like, <laughs> be rude, but my dad sometimes thinks he knows a little bit more <laughs> about the camera <laughs> than I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So sometimes I show him like a, a picture profile or a different setting that can help him, like especially in low light situations. So yeah, yeah. I usually I tend to like look up more into and technology, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um, have you done any programming or coding in technology? I haven't. No, I don't really know where to start. So. Yeah. Would that be something that's interesting for you? It, yeah, it really is. Like I've seen all pretty much all the Apple videos that goes into the design when they designed the Touch Bar. I, just, I that was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. So. Great. How about any of the robotics stuff? Have you looked at that? Um, robotics, not really. No. <laughs> I had a Robo Sapien like forever ago, but yeah, I've never really done anything in robotics. So you're very much just into the te- technology part of Apple products, it seems like, and then the, <laughs> the film area, right? Like user There's... interfaces, yeah, is basically what I'm most into. And user interface, yeah. Uh, t- so for film production, what types of technology do you use for that? Uh, well, it video editing software, camera, sometimes lights if I have that in the budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually it's really just low budget. We just do whatever we can. Natural lighting. Sure. And that's about it. Yeah. That's neat. So do you make like home movies or do you do movies with your friends? What who are you filming? Yeah, movies with my friends. Uh I usually just write up type up a script. Uh we look it over. Uh, I've never really storyboarded, but I might start that and yeah. then we find people to act in them and then we just go out and film basically. Neat. Very neat. So tell me how you thought about um, majoring in construction management. Uh, my dad does it, and he basically uh, told me to go for it since I've always mm-hmm. loved building with Legos mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. And really any any industry that you go in today needs technology. So technology always touches almost every industry. Um, so where do you see yourself in the next year or so with technology? What, what, do you, what would you like to tackle or learn or get into? Well, probably, yeah, I'd I like to help design stuff for user interfaces, learn how that works, I guess. Mm-hmm. So actually do the design behind it and maybe yeah, even learn yeah. how, to, how to code it, huh? basically yeah no that's great that's great anything else you want to share from a technology perspective um well there's there's a lot of exciting things coming especially Mm -hmm. with tesla and their self-driving cars that's going to be the norm pretty soon same with electric cars so yeah very neat to see i just talked Uh, to a friend of mine that bought uh, a tesla and he mm-hmm. told me that it basically drives itself. Um, yeah. It's got all of the, you know, lane type sensors in there. It's got the distance sensors. Um, it it pretty much is self-driving. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you seen those? Yeah, I have. Um, I want to go test drive one just to see how it is. Yeah, that would be cool. Sure. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, artificial intelligence, that's going to come a long way very soon. Yeah, I agree. Very, very popular. And, you know, we start out with the Alexas of the world, but, you know, it's just going to keep going. Yeah. Very neat. Well, thank you, Ricardo. This was so great talking to you. I uh, am so excited to have you as a guest on my show and um, want to continue to, you know, keep in touch so we can kind of follow your technology journey as we go along. So, and good luck uh, at ASU this fall. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. And now, an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.